2: Darius and Ryan on the production. We're Grant and Danny, and this is the fan. The Beltway Blitz coming your way in just a moment. We got Rod Strickland, the former bulletin wizard, joining us in about 25 minutes. By the way, the New York Post dropping a story within the last few minutes. We'll get to this hour. Josh Cosman has been on the show a bunch. Their reporter who is covering the Snyder sale saying that he's hearing that the NFL lacks the votes to force a commander's sale, but that he is hearing that Bezos could be on the verge of entering a bid. So we will get into those two things coming up this hour on Grant and Danny. It's been a busy day. As far as NFL news goes, teams are getting themselves ready to spend a bunch of money. The Cowboys have created $30 million in cap space by reworking Dak Prescott's contract, Zach Martin's deal. The Vikings have waived Adam Thielen, their longtime wideout. Only real new commander's news in terms of the football operation, Danny, is that they got a couple of draft picks yesterday from the comp picks that were given out. That's right, yeah. Including a top 100 pick, the third round, they added a pick, which feels like a really big deal. You knew this was coming because they lost Brandon Scherf, but it does change the looks of their potential draft board.
3: Teams that are good at managing that, it's such a competitive advantage if you are able to, you know, sort of stack some of those comp picks over years and, you know, kind of roster manage that way, keep things cheap. And you can use those both to draft players and also as kind of, uh, you know, uh, trade chips, really smart. All right. So we got to get to the blitz. We're talking college hoops, the wizards, the
2: commanders in this segment, all jammed into the next few minutes. Right now, caller number 10 is promised. You're going to win caps tickets. We've got a four pack for you. 800-636-1067 to win. Caps, Sabres, Wednesday, March 15th, 7 p.m. at the Arena Downtown. D.C. fans, one of your last chances to see the Caps. You can win those tickets right now on GND. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com or visit thefandc.com slash details. Let's kick off the Blitz. Tonight's the night. Maryland basketball, as they play conference tourney action. They're already secured in the tournament but can maybe... Get a better seed. Let's talk about Maryland hoops with a voice very familiar to you. If you're a Maryland fan, that's Chris Naki, our guy. This time of year, we just start trying to pry information out of Chris. What's up, buddy? How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? Always oh, well, good, buddy.
2: Uh, preview the game tonight. Indiana. Uh,
4: it's an outstanding game. You know, these two teams played the last day of January. Um, Terps did a nice job. Really shut down Indiana. 66-55 win there. And at the time it seems huge because the Terps had not had had yet to turn the corner during the course of the season. So uh, it's a different Indiana team. They got one of the premier players in the country and trace Jackson Davis, who in that game at Xfinity center, all he did was have 18 points and 20 rebounds, which is an Xfinity center record. And uh, so Terps are going to have their hands full, but I think they'll play great. I, you know, right now, the, all the pressure's off. Um, This would be a phenomenal win and they're in a, in a very forgiving side of the draw here too. So it'd be a really nice opportunity for
3: him. Yeah, You mentioned Jackson Davis, Chris, he's terrific. Averaging 21 and 11 uh, over the course of the season. He's obviously a load. He's tough to deal with inside. If Maryland gets in foul trouble, dot, 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 then what?
4: (laughs) Well, then Walt Williams who's sitting beside me tonight is going to have to put on a jersey. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They struggled last night. Foul trouble was an issue against the big front line. Honestly, I think a lot of the, the one of the most critical parts of this game, Danny, is how it's officiated. In games where Julian Reese has been allowed to play, when we played against Purdue and in Indiana, where these guys just bang on each other, uh, Julian's done just fine. He's acquitted himself very, very well. But like you said, big drop off when you go to that bench, just in sheer size uh, and in rim protection. So that's not something that's a good situation for them for sure.
2: From an NCAA tournament perspective, you no, know, what's at stake tonight? What's it look like for Maryland if they were to win and go on a little run versus if they don't play well and they lose?
4: that's uh, no, everything. Yeah, and here's why: because right now, I think you know, in, in almost every forecast, they're in that eight-nine game. And with the way the NCAA seeds teams, uh, you know, even if you're lucky enough to win that eight-nine game, you're playing a one-seed close to home. You're playing, you're playing Alabama in Birmingham. You know, uh, you're playing UCLA in Sacramento. Uh, you, you know, it's just it's one of those things that makes it very, very difficult to advance. Now, now things happen. Lightning does strike, you know, but it's just a, it's a very tough way to go. If you're in a if you play your way up to a seven, conversely, it's just a dramatically different uh, route to get to where you want to
3: go. Chris, I feel like maybe I say this every year, but this year I really mean it. I feel like this is as wide open a tournament as you'll you'll ever find. I, I counted a dozen teams that I went, yeah, I could see them winning six games. I could see these guys getting hot and cutting down the nets. But also, nobody's a juggernaut, I, I don't feel like. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, we, we came to the Big Ten tournament, and, you know, there's always a surprise here, right? There's always somebody who, who's eye-opening. I thought coming in, maybe that would be Illinois. Well, Illinois is already, you know, they, they're already back in Champaign right now. Mm-hmm. They lost to, to, to Penn State. And, you know, I have some friends who dog the state of college basketball and say, nobody's any good, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just, it's one of those things where one man's parody is another man's mediocrity. You know, I, I just think it's great for the sport, Danny, that there are this many teams that are, uh, you know, have real chances. And it's all about playing the right way at the right time. Um, you know, you, you you do get a guy or two who gets hot and it completely changes the direction of what you're doing and it changes the landscape in March. And that's what... That's what the tournament's all about, right, guys? The star turns that you see in March that you didn't necessarily see coming in February.
2: Naki, I know this is a little bit sacrilege, as we have you on ahead of your call tonight of a Big Ten tourney game for the Terps, but I'm going to be selfish and ask about the Hoyas for a moment. Uh, Patrick yeah. Ewing got blown out yesterday. Uh, they're using nicer terms than that. I mean, it has been a disaster, and it's sad because everybody likes Patrick, but uh, the legend became the villain, right? I mean, they were 13-50, and 50, they're 2-40 and 40 in their last... Forty-two conference games. You just put into perspective for young people that don't really get like what this fall has been like for Georgetown.
4: Uh, Patrick Ewing, in his career, Georgetown was one twenty-three, and this is as a player, one twenty-three and twenty-one with three national championship game appearances. That's absurd. Uh, Here's here's a, and this is also kind of a eerie and sad coincidence. His last game, he coaches is in Madison Square Garden where, by the way, his jersey hangs in the rafters mm-hmm. as a Knicks. You know, so it's sad. You know, Patrick is as well-liked as anybody. Uh, you know, it, it, the job didn't get done. Now, I know they're, they'll, they'll buy him out. They're looking to invest. I keep hearing the name Ed Cooley from Providence as a as a real likely candidate. But it's an attractive job for a lot of big-time guys, a lot of good coaches. They'll, they'll be just fine, but, man, it has been a... It has been a walk in the desert these last few years.
3: Chris, always appreciate it, dude. Have a great weekend. Great call tonight. You bet, guys. Thank you. See you, my friend. Hit that wizard sounder, Dares. Buddy, Wes Hall, NBC Sports, Washington, talking some wizards with us here on the Beltway Blitz. Wes, the rematch. I like these little double dips the NBA's doing. Trying to avenge a loss from the other night against Atlanta. What do they have to do?
5: Uh, it's time to bounce back, and it really comes down to bringing everybody else along to the party. The the big three contributing over 90 points combined. I love it, albeit in a loss, but it's time to bring the other kids to the table as well. It's, it's, it's what's necessary. In-season series are fun, but I want dubs. That's what we got to have.
2: Another opportunity for one of those dubs against the Hawks at home. This is the same yeah. team in the same venue. How do we get over the finish line?
5: Um, I think it really comes down to fourth-quarter scoring for the Wizards. It's one of those situations where, yeah, we know that the offense tends to, you know, become rather cyclical um, with a lot of isolation ball and that. So, but for me, it's as long as you keep moving the ball for the Wizards, you're fine. The offense looks good in the first three quarters, but the fourth quarter is when things tend to, to slow down a bit. So if they want to continue to do what they want to do, which is postseason aspirations – Get a good with West Atlantic, you got to move the ball in the fourth quarter.
3: And to me, defensively, too, uh, uh, Wes, it just felt like Trey Young was in the – lane. now, he does this to everybody, but he was yeah. in the lane the entire game. And whether it's dishing off, whether it's that floater, everything else, you wouldn't just sit there chucking from deep. He was penetrating all game long. That's got to stop somehow. That at least got to slow down a little bit. What's the tactic?
5: Well, the thing about him is who's your on-ball defender. Um, I'm glad that we got Monte back. He was coming off the bench zone with that back issue. But I like having guys like DeLon Wright and Jordan Goodwin, especially a guy like Jordan Goodwin, who's just an, who's athletic enough to agitate a guy like Trey Young. I think about how much frustration he caused John Morant when Memphis played us here earlier in the season. Those kind of guys make it difficult for Trey. If we end up making him have to drive hard and throw up one of those miracle floaters, I'll live with that. What I can't live with is wide open threes.
2: He's West Hall, pre and post, NBC, Sports Washington on the Wiz. What's your confidence level in this team getting into the play-in right now?
5: Uh, Right now, a scale of 1-10 to play-in, I'm still on a 10 because we're sitting at the 10th seat. Um, But I I look at the 8-10 to window, only a game, two games separate us between Toronto and Atlanta. And that's why it was so important to try to get the win uh, the other night. Because if you get two in a row, then you're able to leapfrog Toronto and then go ahead and take the 8th seat. 9th seat gets a home game. We know the play-in situation is kind of difficult for most people to track. Long story short, I believe conf- confidently that we're going to do the play-in. I just want to make sure we get that home game. That would be really cool.
3: Wes, remember you've seen the movie White Man Can't Jump, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you remember? Hey, Billy. Well, you Sorry. remember when Billy was trying to get uh, his girl onto the Jeopardy lot, and he had to hit the uh, the half-court hook shot like that. You, yes. You're, you're, you're Ghana. You're shooting for the Sudan. I feel like that's what Porzingis was doing the other night. Like he could have hit that half-court hook shot if he wanted to. But it feels like, you mentioned this kind of late game, that dude is, is punting it and it's going in, but yet we're not running plays to get Porzingis' looks right there, kind of down I the know. stretch.
5: Why is that? It, it, oh, it's difficult. Um, Kuzma had a post-game podium where he was mentioning the fact that, you know, this is Brad's team, and, and we are known for living and dying by what he does. And there's nothing wrong with that because, as Coach uh, Coach Unsel said, you know, we go to Brad all the time. Yeah, Kuzma, KP had the hot hand, of career-high 43. But we know whose moment that is. Space of the franchise. Sometimes it goes, sometimes it doesn't, and and you know that's kind of where we live with it. But it's funny you mentioned white man can't jump because the dude who got him on that lot, the security guard, is an actor whose name is Silk Cozart, who's from Nashville, Tennessee. I know this dude for years. So long story short, Silk can actually hoop. So oh, yeah. so you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's legit. Silk could actually do, but he was in a racer with, with uh, Schwarzenegger and all that. So just some CB4, too. He was a star.
2: You don't know about yeah. Wes's acting days. We were used to ride oh, the train. Man. Me and Ooh, Wes used man. to ride the train to and from all over the coast to, to Washington Valor games when uh, we were calling games together. I've seen some of the stuff Wes was in. He was, he was a good actor, my guy. Handsome, Thank deep you, voice. I get bro. it. Thank
4: you. I get it. You
2: know. I know all about that. Hey, while we're talking
4: about yeah, movies, what?
2: you've seen Along Came Polly, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. You remember when Sandy Lyle, Philip Seymour Hoffman, is just throwing the ball off the backboard a million times? <laughs> that was Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter the other night.
4: Yo, wow. Uh, we're going to kill both of you. He going to get both of us.
2: they going to get me beat up in the tunnel. One That's for hilarious. six. Uh, just say we did it. It's not your fault. Wes, thank Bye. you.
5: You're a gentleman. Gentlemen, I appreciate you both. Have a great fight, guys. You're very you too, handsome.
2: Buddy. You have a very deep voice. He does very handsome. Very jealous. Your wife is very lucky. There's uh, Wes Hall, who joins us on Grant and Danny. Very, very good man. All right, let's keep it moving. Matt Paris stopping by the Beltway Blitz. So, Matt, I don't know if you saw this. We're going to get into this in a few minutes, but the New York Post just came out with a piece. This is Josh Kosman, who's been uh, breaking a lot of different stories and, and sourced reports on the sale. He says the NFL currently lacks the votes to force a commander's sale. What do you make of that?
6: Well, it would be a little bit surprising, but at the same time, you know, I, I've always viewed that as a, a last-ditch effort for the NFL. You know, we've talked about the precedent uh, that that would set uh, all along, but also just the fact that it would be a really lengthy process that would add at least, uh, you know, another an additional few months, a year, if not years. Um, you know, that's always been a, a last resort type of thing. It is surprising considering Jim Irsay's already come out publicly. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll,
3: we'll see, I guess. Assuming a sale, which I agree with you, is, is dangerous to assume. We're talking about an irrational actor here sure. in, in Snyder. But this is not business as usual in terms of an offseason. Free agency starts right. here in a couple of days. What are you expecting? Yeah, you know, uh, Sam Howell's contract puts them in a
6: position where, in theory, they should be aggressive, they should spend that really hasn't been the mo of this group, this regime, I mean even outside of Snyder's kind of if you want to call them money problems or just you know they, they haven't been super aggressive in free agency, I think there's a scenario where they could be active, but kind of similar to Riveras first year where they're on a bunch of prove it deals you know they're bringing in guys for one year five million, one year three million uh you know when they brought in like Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick, they those types of guys.
2: Very well could be that tier of free agency again. Uh, let's talk priorities yeah. in, in the weeks ahead. Biggest needs, areas that you think the market could align with their wants. What do you envision?
6: Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens uh, with the interior line, uh, especially do they go out and try and address the guard spots. Uh, you know, Rivera's mentioned center. Chase really is still under contract. Maybe they could draft something there, but um, besides the interior, you know, linebacker, what happens with Cole Holcomb, and you know, touching on the obvious one, quarterback too, they're going to have to bring in someone for Sam Howell. Is that going to be Heineke, Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater? There's some, there are a lot of mid-tier veterans out there that they could bring in and you know, slap a quarterback competition on top of it.
3: Who would, who's your best guess at who the backup is?
6: <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has, you know, ties to Marty Herney. Marty Herney brought him in. I don't know if they want to go down that road. You know, Andy Dolan, I think maybe performed the best out of all of them, or Brissette. Um, but they they do like Heineke, and uh, I I don't know.
3: <laughs> Sorry to be vague.
2: You know, no apologies. Don't you needed. apologize
3: to us? Matt You've Pairs. given us
2: everything you had. You emptied the tank out on this Beltway Blitz, and we appreciate uh, that. Appreciate it. Matt, thank Uh, you, bud.
3: Be good. See you, dude. All
2: right. Yeah. Have a good weekend. He was, like, chuckling a lot. (laughs) Made me laugh. He's just, like, popped. (laughs) I don't know what I said that that got to him there. Grant and Danny on the fan. We got to get into Josh Cosman of the New York Post saying the NFL lacks the votes to force the commanders to sell. Look, that's not shocking to me. I don't expect a vote to ever happen. The owners don't want a vote to happen. I also don't think a vote's necessary. I don't think it's going to need to happen. Dan's going to sell the team before they have to vote because they're going to move mountains to make him do that and to avoid voting. But we'll get into that and the other part of his story that Jeff Bezos could be about to enter a bid, which is very, very interesting. Uh, As we continue, we're also going to talk to
3: Rod Strickland on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Welcome
2: back to Grant and Danny. In just a few minutes, we'll be talking about the New York Post's report that there might not be enough support of owners to force Dan Snyder out if necessary. But right now, on the BetQL guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit betql.com. A blast from the past: Rod Strickland, who Danny and I grew up loving, 25 years of the Wizards celebrated at Capital One Arena. He and Chris Whitney and Harvey Grant will be honored tonight. Rod, thank you so much for joining us. Feels like just yesterday you were hooping in DC.
7: Uh I've been good. I wish it felt. I wish it felt like uh yesterday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not to you, huh? <laughs> Feels like it's been a while.
7: It's been a while. It's been a while. I'm happy I'm happy to be back, though. I'm happy to be uh able to walk in that arena uh and kind of be celebrated.
3: I'm an old man in in this take. I like my point guards like Rod Strickland. I like my distributors. Mm-hmm. I like the guys that are getting everybody where they're supposed to be, pass first, pass second, pass third, and then, you know, look for your own. The game has changed right. now. Do you like where it's at?
7: Yeah, the game has definitely changed. Uh, I mean, there's some things I like. There's some things that, you know, uh, I wish we could kind of change and maybe not go backwards, but kind of meet, meet the middle road. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, point guards are different now. But the game is different. You know, when I played, we played inside out. So we had three out and two in. Uh, and the ball went inside first for the most part. Uh, now, you know, the game is, has, has gone beyond the three-point line. And, and they're playing outside in and everything is three-point shots. So the court is wide open. Uh, obviously, you know, the three-point shot gives you extra points. You know, when when you shoot them, so you know, so high volume. But the game is just totally different. I mean, there's not shot blockers. It's not as physical, so the game is kind of
3: opened up. Give and don't be modest here. How many points yep. per game would Rod Strickland score without any of these hand checks?
7: Uh, I would score a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> no, like like no. But I honestly believe that, and I know yeah. people say, I couldn't shoot three pointers, but. I mean, you, you go with the time, So you're in the gym, you you know, you know learn to shoot three-pointers or you shoot more. Uh, but I think just the IQ of the game and knowing where the defense is at and manipulating that and the fact that uh, there's no shot blockers, so I'm getting to the basket. And then from there, I'm, I think I'm going to make the right play, whether that's to score or to make the pass.
2: There was a season, Rod, to your point, we're talking with Rod Strickland, where you played in all 82 games in Portland, And you shot a total of 10 three-pointers, which, again, today, that's that's like one game for a point guard. Like, Damian Lillard does that in a quarter, and then he goes and gets a cup of Gatorade. But I do wonder about that. Like, I feel like, let's just say you're coming up today, you probably Mm -hmm. do have that range and can knock down that shot. And it is a part of your game because you train that way, right?
7: Right. I mean, that's right because it becomes the evolution of the game. You know, I mean, if you go backwards and you go watch Bob Cousy and, You watch him dribbling with one hand and he dominated his era. But if he was in a different era, you know, things would be different, you know? So I do believe like, and and I don't even believe I had to be, I I would have had to be the greatest three-point shooter. I think more importantly, I think the IQ, I think you watch LeBron and you watch some of the greats, you know, Kyrie, Kevin, all those guys, like they have an IQ. And that's what gets them over. And, you know, I was pretty good at the mid-range, and I still think I could uh, dominate with the mid-range. It's kind of like watching John Morant. He doesn't shoot a bunch of three-point shots, but he has a hell of IQ. Obviously, he's super athletic, but he knows how to manipulate the game.
2: Rod Strickland. Who was in DC for three hundred games in five seasons and was you know a pass first terrific point guard, averaged almost a double double in the district. Joining us on Grant and Danny, he'll be honored with Chris Whitney who could shoot the lights out. Harvey Grant was here for a couple of stints wearing the goggles. It's gonna be a fun celebration of 25 years of Wizards basketball, and we had the chance to talk to Rod, and Danny and I jumped at it. He was one of our guys. For me growing up as a kid, Danny was probably in high school or college, a little yep, older. high school. But uh, he was acting right. like Rod Strickland on the floor. I-, I hate to do this lazy thing, Rod, where-, where I ask you about this, but it just kind of, I think, fits with what we're talking about. Like, it is mm-hmm. way easier to score. The game has gotten easier now which is not to take mm-hmm. away from the great players, but everyone wants to talk yeah. about LeBron and MJ and the eras. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. when you hear that or like, you know, you're getting your hair cut or, or you're at the mall and, and people are talking ball with you. Like, what are your thoughts on some of those conversations now?
7: Uh, I don't know. I just try to be respectful of the eras and respectful of the greatness. Uh, I don't think I really care who's the best. Like th- those guys are goats. Uh, you know, I-, I think if you – If you just look at the career, LeBron has had a, you know, he's had a better career. I think that's obvious just by the numbers. But, uh, you know, like greatness, impact, you know, the six championships, three in a row. Uh, And then, like, I played against MJ. So I know the mentality. I know the aura. I know what he meant. I know how he dominated. So I have a better feel for that. I've watched LeBron, uh, and I've seen his greatness uh, so it's hard for me, you know. At one point, I would have said MJ for sure, like automatically. But I've always told people too, I'm a big Magic Johnson fan, and I, he gets enough credit. You know, he he changed the whole point guard position. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at all these big guys now, I think you can go back to Magic. You know, guys wanting to be Magic, wanting to be the big perimeter, big point guard. And so we've evolved into all these big guys handling the ball and doing all these things. But I think the Magic made a big impact on that. So, I don't know. And then you got Larry Bird as well, who I think is short stains. So, I don't, you know, I just kind of try to, I don't know, just respect what both have done uh, and, and just watch and see what's next.
3: Rod Strickland with us here on Grant and Danny. Take me back to those, you know, mid to late 90s Wizards teams, Bullets teams that you were a part of. Give me a favorite memory.
7: Uh, when we played the Bulls, probably, uh, in the playoffs, I think we were excited to play against, you know, the best. Uh, I think we were a young team, up-and-coming team, and, and uh, you know, we, we had a lot of excitement in this city. Uh, so I think that was probably the fondest memories. And just being around the guys, you know, C Webb, Jay Howard, Harvey Grant, Chris Whitney, Calvin Cheney, you know, all those guys, uh, Terry Davis, like just, just just that camaraderie and then the city. I love DC. You know, I love I love I love me some DC.
2: What do you remember about the transition from Bullets to Wizards in terms of the name and just we're going through still a name change here for the football team, right? People are getting used to it. I'm sure you remember, right? It's not I don't think it's it's unpopular to say it. Like people didn't love the idea of going away from the bullets. They still missed that name. They didn't love the wizards at first. But what do you remember about all that?
7: Yeah, I think that transition was rough. I think, you know, the Washington Bullets was stamped here forever. So I think, uh, you know, that was a hard pill to swallow uh, for the community uh, to change the name. Uh, But I think we were excited. We were excited because, you know, we were going from the Bullets to the Wizards, but not only were we changing names, we were changing uh, facilities. So, you know, we, we were practicing in Bowie State gym, uh, with the Bullets, and now we're downtown in a big arena with our own practice court. So I think it was an exciting time, you know, for us as players uh, to make that transition, to have our own, you know, have a new arena, you know, right here downtown D.C. So I think it was, a, it was an exciting time, and I remember the first game, you know, playing against the Seattle Supersonics.
3: Give me a teammate of yours that you played with over the years. I'd love for it to be someone in D.C., but it could be anywhere, mm-hmm. that you think would fit really, really well in today's game.
7: I mean, I mean, I, I think C Webb fits in uh, easily. The passing big guy, you know, if you watch C Webb, he started shooting more threes as he, you know, was in Sacramento. But I think C Webb with his passing ability to play at the elbows, the mid post, to run the floor, uh, finisher, but also step out, and make a three, and drive the ball and make a play. You know, I think C Webb would fit. I think. I think Tracy Murray would fit in, you know, Tracy Murray would make probably hundreds of million dollars in this era. You know, Cliff Robinson, Robinson, who I played with in Portland, I think he would, you know, those guys were shooting threes and, you know, on the perimeter. And and, and Cliff Robinson was not only a three-point shooter, but he was a two-way player. Like, I think those guys would fit in uh, easily.
2: December 2nd, 97, we just look it up. That's night number one for Cap One Arena. And now most of our listeners have been there hundreds of times, and I can't even count the number of games over the years I've been to. It's amazing, first of all, that that arena's been around that long. But uh, you mentioned having a practice facility there and some of the things as a player you got excited about. I mean, so before that, you guys were at USA Arena. Where were you practicing? And and just take me back and kind of remind me of how the, the transition went.
7: Well, that's what I'm saying. We were we were practicing at Bowie State uh college. Oh, that wow. was our practice facility. Yeah. So So
2: where did you guys we, live?
7: Uh dang, where did I live? In Bowie. I lived in Bowie. Really? Yeah. I lived in Bowie. We practiced at Bowie State and then we would play our games over at Landover. But uh so that's what I'm saying, it was exciting. I mean, no disrespect to Bowie State, but you know, we were a pro team playing practicing at Bowie State. Uh and then now we go from there to this big arena with this new, with a gym inside of the gym, you know, uh, uh, this big exciting arena with restaurants and you know everything around it downtown D.C. So it was a, it was an exciting time.
3: Rod, this was a treat to catch up with you, man. Really appreciate the time, and I'll be the pudgy guy clapping for you tonight, man. Enjoy it.
7: Thanks, I appreciate you guys.
2: Rod Strickland of the Wizards, cheer loud if you're in the arena for him tonight. Next, that New York Post report on Dan Snyder and the other owners who might not be willing to vote him out. Does that matter? We're Grant
3: and Danny. Thanks to Rod Strickland for joining us on
2: Grant and Danny. Welcome back. You're listening to The Fan. Top of the hour, Josiah Gray of the Washington Nationals stops by. He's one of our favorite players interview in town. A really, really thoughtful and cerebral guy and has been great with us in the past, so it'll be good to catch up with him for the first time from spring training today. Uh, Josh Kosman of the New York Post. We have had him on the show at least two, probably three times over the last few weeks. He keeps, like uh, Charles Gasparino, who was on earlier today. If you missed that interview, go grab it when we're done at thefandc.com. He keeps coming out with um, new updates, stories, nuggets on, on what's going on with Snyder. So a couple things he has today, Danny. Headline is, NFL lacks votes to force commander sale. Bezos may enter bid, according to sources. We'll dive into the story here, but what's your initial reaction to that
3: headline? The the only thing that's a little bit scary here to me is the owner's part of it. Whether Bezos is in or out, I I, I now can be, to me, is kind of irrelevant, to be honest with you. I'm sort of used to this dance of... He, he wants to be in, and maybe isn't allowed to be. I sort of don't care about that. The part that I care about is the ownership part, and here's why: I've always sort of believed that Dan is kind of going along with all this begrudgingly. I, I don't really buy the idea that he just had a light bulb go off and go, "You know, I should probably do is do the right thing here and just move on from the team." He's been through hell, and it, uh, from from his perspective, right? He's gone through all this stuff, and he's you know still here owning the squad. I think he's now sort of trapped into a corner and I think this was the ultimate leverage play sort of behind the scenes, right, was if we need to, we don't want to, but if we need to, we'll vote your ass out. Hearing that, seeing that, you know, reading the tea leaves there, that's not my favorite because I don't want to leave this trapped rat any way out, any exits.
2: So a few things. Number one, and this is not anti Kosman or anybody else, but I am now in a mode, more than I was a month ago, where I am taking a lot of things with a grain of salt, essentially. And what I mean by that is... Probably the right thing to do. I do think that all of these reports and what I'm calling, you know, these anecdotes, nuggets, whatever, that someone's getting, there is some merit and truth to it. But I'm not sure that anyone has this thing 100% nailed down because I think they're just getting word from and not being able to confirm it with the other side and putting out word from people that want that out for some reason. And that's, I'm not telling you that's not reporting, but really by definition to report is you hear something from the Snyder side, and then you go confirm it on the sales side or on the NFL side. And I think most people are talking to sources on one side of the equation. And so really, you're just being told something and putting that out, and it's just getting one person's version out.
3: Right. There, there's a—narrative a, is the right word, but there's a method to it, right? Correct.
2: And, and that is, to some extent, what reporting is, although as complicated and probably um, you know confusing as it would be to—, to dive into it all on the radio, I think generally like when you're reporting that a player is signed or someone's being traded, you're generally able to corroborate that on the player and agent side and on the team side, and and you get the whole picture of the story. Uh-huh. I don't know that that's what's happening in, in this reporting. I think a lot of people are trying to help themselves, and they're releasing what they want out there, so that's number one. But, but more importantly, that semantic part of this aside... I've never once thought the owners are ever going to vote. And I will say right now that if it takes the owners voting to force Dan Snyder out, I don't think he's ever going anywhere. I don't think they're voting. And if they do vote, I don't think there are enough votes to kick him out. I've always thought that. I know that people assume, and we heard the report in ESPN uh, last week saying that there's enough traction now that they might have the support to vote him out. I guess that's possible. I would be more surprised to find out, It's 75% of the owners want to vote Dan out than to find out that they don't have 75%. This goes back to our day one conversations on this, when we originally thought it would take the owners forcing him out and voting him out, Uh which there's no precedent for. They don't want that to happen. They don't want to lower the threshold for what it takes to be forced to sell the team. Owners don't want that, and they also don't want investigations done into them after the precedent is a workplace that was hostile, and, and no direct, no, no charges, nothing directly to you, but a lot of things that went wrong while you were overseeing. That's not what the owners want. But while I don't think they will vote or would vote him out, I've never, or I should say in a long time, I haven't thought that they're going to need to, and I still don't. To me, this has long been about money, which he, in my opinion, is not going to have enough of eventually. Now, is eventually years from now or months from now. I think it's more like months, you know, next year or two. I I also believe, and this is where you and I have kind of disagreed a little bit over the last couple of months, I'd say. Maybe I'm I'm not 100% adamant, but I am way more of the belief that he has decided he would like to be done with this. Like you you said a few minutes ago, you don't see it that way, essentially, right? right. Like you, you think this is more... You have to sell, you jerk. Unless him going, all right, what can we get for this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of both. Like Him not going to the games, him going to London, his kid leaving the college he was going to, like a lot of the things that are happening. I think there is more Dan's ready to move on from this thing that's not named what it was when he bought it than it's just the league is, is saying you have to do this. And it may have all started, it may all be based on and he knows he doesn't have a choice because yeah. the other three minority owners that he won the original battle against will not relent. They're never going away. They will win this war. That's what this whole thing's about. And maybe he knows that. And that's what made up his mind. But I do think there's a willingness from him and from Tanya to kind of pack up their offices, leave the facility, and, and move along with their lives.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I just don't give him that credit, I guess, ultimately, right? Because that's what a reasonable person would do. And what do we know about him is that he's not reasonable. I mean, we're only here because Bruce Allen wouldn't say congrats on the hire. That's how we got here, by the way. That that was the thread that started to pull this whole thing, which led the House Oversight Committee start looking, which led to further investigations, which led to more stuff coming out. That's why we ended up here. An irrational actor isn't all of a sudden going to turn. To me, this has always been, you're trapped. You're trapped, Dan. You are trapped, and we have you trapped, and you know it. Come on, man, admit it. And he's looking around fiercely going, well, what if I get minority investors? Or what if I do this, whatever that? I don't know. I mean, that's always kind of how I viewed it. But either way, we're getting to the same conclusion. I mean, again, to me, the seminal moment was Jason Wright openly referring to a before and after the sale. The team president. That, to me, said, okay, it's happening, right? He, in, in, Groundbreak. Had nothing to do with the Eric Biennemi conference. It was tangentially having to do with Eric Biennemi being hired here. And the question was really about, you know, sale complicate things. And he was talking about, right now and it's then like the, the transition
2: agrees that we're going to be better off on the other side yeah, of on this, the other side of this thing. and after the sale we're, we're all going to be in good shape in this building just
3: openly talking about the upside of the sale and how different it's all going to be that to me was the okay it, anybody that's got doubts and i still have them because i think this is a terrible tyrant but it, it still seems we're full steam ahead the uh, new york post just to read really
2: quickly from the uh piece here National Football League owners don't have enough votes to force Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder to sell the team, even as he stubbornly sticks to a record-breaking $6 billion asking price for his embattled franchise. The post is learned. Now, remember, we had Charles Gasparino of Fox Business, who's on today. He's talked to a banker for one of the bidders, or people that was originally at some point bidding for this team, and that person told him that he thinks the bids will come in at, at or a little over $6 billion. So if Snyder wants $6 billion to sell, there's at least one reporter now, and it's a guy that has ties to Snyder, saying that the number's going to come in at or a little over $6 billion. Um, as far as the Bezos part of the report, to just dig a little bit deeper into that, I know you said you don't care as much about that, could still be a bombshell and a big deal for mm-hmm. two reasons. Number one, people want him to buy the team. I did this topic when you were out. Nursing the throat and the voice for uh-huh. the last couple of days. But when I went Bezos or the field, it was, you know, vast majority of people saying, just because of all the money, that they want Jeff Bezos. But the other part is that's where you you get money you can't walk away from if you're Dan. Right. Now you might get to six, six point 6.2, 6.3 without Bezos, according to the reporting, which still seems like a lot to me. But with Bezos, maybe that becomes the seven that we originally heard, which would be hilarious, by the way. I remember the first time you and I talked about it in a sale on air after he hired the um, the bank, bank to sale. That night, I talked to somebody with the team, and they said, this is probably going to happen in several months. He's probably going to get $7 billion. And if it ends up just working out that way, and the rest of this was just us chasing every lead, crazy. it's going to have been a really exhausting few months for not a lot. But, hey, we'll cross that bridge happily when we get to it. But the New York Post wrote, Snyder's nemesis, Jeff Bezos, recently signed a confidentiality agreement signaling he may finally be allowed to enter the bidding process. Sources close to the Bezos team told The Post, it was not clear whether Bezos linked the confidentiality pact with Snyder or the NFL. So it sounds like that's something you would have to do before you bid, I guess.
3: Understandable. Yeah. And so it combines that with, you know, the recent Washington Post report about the Commander side of things telling the league there are quote multiple bidders that the league will love. I think they'd certainly love him, right? That's somebody I think they'd love to be in bed with as they already are uh, with the Amazon Prime uh, games and that slate only expanding.
2: We're going to be out and about again here soon. We're going to get to hang out with some listeners. I'm excited about this. Be Mitch and Finley, and then me and Danny are going to be live next week at Tap Sports so Bar at MGM National Harbor. Uh, so the Tap Sports Bar right there in the corner outside the casino over at MGM National Harbor. We'll be there Thursday and Friday for the first two days of the NCAA tournament. You can catch all of the tourney games. They got 70 flat-screen TVs, all-star roster of food and drinks. Again, Tap Sports Bar both Thursday and Friday, 2 to 6.30 next week. Come hang out with us. Josiah Gray of the Nationals on Grant and Danny. Next, always one of our favorite interviews right here on The
0: Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.